Beyond Synth 376. You're listening to Beyond Synth Radio. And so am I, because it's awesome. Up next, it's the Beyond Synth Roundtable with Andy Last, Marco Marek, Florence Bullock, and Michael Oakley. This is the story of four friends. Andy Last, Marco Marek, Florence Bullock, and Michael Oakley. Together, they set out to have the best conversations of all time. Here, at the Beyond Synth Roundtable. We're here. It's another round table with some cool people. It's been a long time since we recorded, so I forget who everybody is. But we're going to go in the row here. So first off, we got Marco. That's correct. You all know me by my other names. Cunty linguist and uh, no, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. The audience doesn't know this stuff. Whenever Marco sends me his audio files after we record, he always just writes these giant paragraphs of just offensive words. But the audience never gets to see that. No, and they don't. No, they don't. It's unfortunate. Yeah, they would think much higher of you if they did. And of course, that voice we just heard was Florence Bullock. Hi, you definitely forgot my name for sure. Did you I have to look that up? <laughs> how, how are you? Are you okay? I'm good. I'm better. I'm not on the floor this time which is cool. I'm sitting in a chair. Ooh, maybe we can talk about that again so the audience is caught up. It's funny because like I asked you how your back was and then Marco joined the chat and then he asked you how your back was, <laughs> but Michael still hasn't heard. So Oh yeah, he didn't ask me. He doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> That little laugh there was from Michael Oakley. Let the boy watch. What? Let the boy watch. <laughs> Wait, what is that from? Why do I know that? <laughs> Will Ferrell. Oh, shit. And down. I don't think I finished that show. I only watched like the first two seasons. That's funny. Yeah, no, it was funny. My wife says, no, Gabriel, leave. I said, no, let the boy watch. <laughs> let the boy watch he needs to learn the way I learned from my father the way he learned from his father <laughs> I just cancelled a whole bunch of my subscriptions because I like I did the math and like I'm subscribed to so many things you know like I'm subscribed to, like this AI editing tool that I edit two videos a month with and it costs me like 40 Canadian dollars or whatever I'm like wait a second like what am I doing it's such a racket and it? it's like a total racket like all the subscription models it's frustrating because all the tools themselves are useful it's just so I'm paying $40 to basically use this tool for about 12 minutes a month that sucks, and so I just did some cancellation. But it doesn't even matter because my PlayStation and Nintendo is yearly, so even though I'm like, I'm going to cancel those too, and they're like, these will not renew in January of 2024, so I don't get any money back. Anyway, let's get caught up before we listen to some music. So I feel like I talked to Marco the most recently, right? Because we did a power hour a few weeks ago. That's correct. Did we do a show in the time since I saw Florence? In Los Angeles, Ollie Rides no. show. We haven't no. had a show since then. 
Oh, okay. So we have to talk about that. We can then. Definitely talk about yes. that. That's important. Yeah, that was super fun. That was fun. You know. Yep. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it was I'll fun. Just, I'll just let you meander like that. Just, just. Good. <laughs> Would you care to elaborate? Sometimes. <laughs> um, so Ollie, Ollie Wright was doing a show at the Troubadour in Los Angeles, and Parallels were playing the show as well, which. Florence was a part of and I flew over yeah I got to see the show and then we got to hang out a few times and yeah the show was wonderful really great show and obviously you know the Ollie and Parallels are doing a, a tour together uh, this year now so. are you part of that Florence no they're gonna swap you out yeah right no they're they're just <laughs> doing it without a keyboardist because my leg is still fucked up so mm-hmm. I don't know if I could do a tour you ask for more money tell the truth yeah exactly <laughs> I, I want you to pay me this time. No, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna have a lot of, uh, a lot of FOMO, as the kids say. But I just, I physically can't do it yet. Is she just doing it with the mustache guys? The mustache guys. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know their names. <laughs> just... Colin, Christopher, and okay. Walter. Yes, okay. she is doing it. The mustache with guys. The mustache. Oh Walter mustache. has got to be Walter, the mustache guy. Walter does Walter's not have the mustache a... guy. He's not. Oh, you mean the other guy doesn't even have a mustache? I don't, oh, no, Walter doesn't have a mustache. Oh. At the end of every show, he takes his mustache off and gives it to someone lucky <laughs> in the crowd. Like, it's, like the set, it's like giving a set list, only it's a mustache. Oh my god. That should be his, that should be his new shtick. I'm, I'm going to talk uh, to him about that. <laughs> but it just, what's even better about it, it's not even a woman that he gives the mustache to, it's a, it's a lucky man in the audience who then puts it on his face. <laughs> Because I'm picturing in my head like some huge concert, like Freddie Mercury, or whatever, just at the end of like all these screaming fans, and then just takes the mustache off. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so stupid. <laughs> oh my god! Wait a second. We literally haven't talked since then. Yeah. Well, that was that was June, wasn't it? What was the was the date? Was yeah, it June six or something? What was the date it of the was, show? It was like mid June. Yeah. You've been slacking, Andy. Yeah, we literally haven't talked since. Jesus. Wow. We don't talk enough, really. It's been forever. Forever. It really has. Okay, because I get confused because we're part of a group chat. So then sometimes I think like, oh yeah, we talked about this already. I'm like, no, we didn't. (laughs) We talk all the time. Just not publicly. <laughs> all right. So then there was the show. So then who all was in? Because um, some other people went to LA too, right? Like, didn't you guys have like a house party? Oh, yeah. Shit? yeah. There were so many people. Sunglasses Kid, Ed flew over, which was cool. Nice. Jesse Fry was there. Got to meet her. Who else was there? David from the Bad Dreamers. I didn't get to meet him. Same. That was my only one slight disappointment was I saw him over on the right in the balcony. And I thought, oh, there's David. And then I never got to to meet him and also Droid Bishop oh, James nice. oh yeah James and Zach Robinson DAD was there as well yeah, no way yeah. I mean they're local they're local LA people and a bunch of other local LA people came out as well mm-hmm. which was really cool but it was awesome because it was just yeah. the giant community just coming together for this one show it was really fun who else we got to meet we got uh, Stuart McLaren was there and oh of course also someone you interviewed on your on your show Andy Dream Kid yeah. he was there Stuart manages him right so they were yeah but, but Stuart was putting on the Ollie show right wasn't he he, the, was. he was yeah he was he was taking care of that but yeah it was loads of people all the damn vampires Davey he was there super nice guy Jesus Christ yeah it was 
like literally everybody except you, Marco and Andy. What <laughs> the, <fuck? laughs> the venue was wonderful. It was a really great venue. I mean, the Troubadour really... is my favorite venue in Los Angeles. I've seen pretty much all of my favorite bands there and a bunch of others, and it's fucking awesome because it's small it's very intimate but it's big enough so it's like very iconic was it pretty packed i heard it was a sellout i think yeah yes. it was sold out it was really it was cool. packed it sold out it was really it was awesome well hey i tell you what else is awesome <laughs> is cool music marco and i are gonna trade off uh, picks this week but marco i think i want you to go first well that's a first you always mm, we never get to pick anything florence eh? we don't get to pick any songs <laughs> well you can if you want to he's gonna tell me in advance you're like the ringo star of this show <laughs> can we do one of my songs now yes ringo depends if you have a mustache <laughs> can uh, we play scandroid now <laughs> i haven't got any scandroid in the list this week damn that would have been perfect uh, marco <laughs> yeah <laughs> got a, I got a really good track to open up with here. I don't really know too much about this artist. The artist is H-O-V-R. I don't even know what that stands for. But this track that, that they just brought out is really good. It's really high energy, um, really pumping track. It's called Holding On, and it's the Fruitanthal Remix.
right, and that was now. Do you say H O V R? Yeah, I, I feel like that's probably hover. All right, great. Now you tell me. Hover, hover. Well, I don't. Know, maybe it isn't. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. All right. Well, hover. That was a great track by Hover. That's right. No, you pronounce it like you're in Kazakhstan, so it's hover. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna fucking hurt my throat. I, I don't want to do that so early in the conversation. Huh, you can't do that. We'll offend somebody. Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, look, listen, the point is that was Hover with uh, the track Holding On, the Freudenthal remix, and that was a good track, and we're back. We're catching up because it's been, like, so long since we talked, so there was uh, the Ollie Ride show, that was good. What else has been going on in the life of Michael Oakley? We got a... Uh Another kitten, which I've obviously showed you, mm. little uh, Wesley. He was abandoned, and I got a message from the foster carer who looks after you know cats or litters of kittens who are given to the Humane Society. And one night, I was just sitting, and I got a message from her, and she sent just this picture of this little cat. And when I saw the picture, he's the double of my other cat, Dustin, that died. So mm. I was like, oh, I don't know if I can take a cat that looks like the double of my cat that just died, you know? It's like, oh my God. But uh, it was kind of strange. I went to bed that night and I had a weird, vivid dream. And that little cat was in the dream. And my other cat that died, Dustin, was in the dream. And it was like a sort of sign. It was a sort of... Taken. It's kind of strange. It's hard to describe, but it was almost like uh, you know the message was get this little cat, give him a home because I'll be a part of that love oh. if you get him. Is he a very different cat to Dustin? <laughs> They're actually very similar. I keep on, <laughs> I keep on saying to my, my wife because um, like Dustin's nose was just like your kind of normal little nose, and then it started to get little black spots on the nose. Mm-hmm. It's called lentigo. He does all these little things that are just like him, but I said to my wife, I said, look, see if he starts getting little specks, like black specks on his nose, he's his reincarnation. I don't give a fuck what you say. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm secretly (laughs) wondering, but you never know. He's the most sweetest little guy. We take him up every night and he sleeps in the room with us just to help him settle in and I swear at 7am without fail I wake up to like his his little head like button into me basically saying pet me pet me <laughs> and it's <laughs> he's this little cuddle monster <laughs> he's just so sweet he's an orange cat right? yeah see I wonder if that's a thing because I didn't know there was a word for those little spots because Chester's orange as well and he has like a little freckle on his bottom lip hmm. it's common it's nothing to worry about it's common in orange cats yeah yeah my little Jody's got little freckles on his nose too yeah Aww. they're just so goofy they yeah. just like I, that's the one word that i would associate with orange cats that he's so goofy so lovable and uh, he loves it's funny you just you start to find out the little quirks the little things that they love and he loves the little ball with the bell in it because when he hears it ringing all of a sudden his face appears because he's like i know that noise Pavlo's dog, <laughs> playing the ball. Let me chase after it. Over here, Chester's <laughs> been getting sneaky because he fucking he's actually killed some things. Because I thought he was too clumsy to do it. Murder. Yeah, and then one day <laughs> in the basement, he kept on wanting yeah. to hang out in the basement. I'm like, what are you doing down here? And then I heard the scurrying of a mouse. And I'm like, oh, I see what's going on. He's like looking at the ceiling. And so I took his collar off because he's got a little bell on his collar. 
So I'm like, all right, I'll make him a more efficient hunter. But I thought he was going to pay tribute and deliver the mouse to me, but he never did. <laughs> and so, like, the other day I was cleaning the basement, and I'm like, what the fuck is that smell? Oh, no. And then, like, I go over, and there's this fucking half of dead mouse, and its fucking head's ripped off and all this stuff. And I'm like, fucking Chester Ooh. never told me he killed it. <laughs> well, you know, when they, sometimes they catch stuff you. and they, they bring it to you. So he's got a sadistic side where he's, like, he's very cute. And then I'll come outside, and he's playing with his buddy Lucifer at, like, 10 p.m. And I'm calling him, and he's not coming, and I sing his song because he's got a song. Cause like, Can you sing his song for us, Andy? Every cat I've had, I just I end up singing a little theme song for them. So Chester's is it started as what did it start? It's like always oh, Chester, but then everyone thought I was saying always Chester. So now it's become always Chester, and he comes to the song. Like if I go outside and go like always Chester, and then he like he runs out, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Except when he's playing with his buddy Lucifer who fucking knows how to sneak into my house now because like, we have like an upstairs balcony door and fucking Lucifer, he gets his paws in there and he opens it up and he just comes into our house and fucking eats Chester's food and just leaves and it actually doesn't bug me because he's a decent cat and he you can pet him and stuff, but he's a bad seed, right? Because he's breaking into people's homes. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they understand the concept yeah, yeah. of property. <laughs> 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 they, they, they can't even get a bank account or credit yeah, yeah. loans. Yeah, they pay rent. <laughs> you know? My dad hates yeah, it when cool. he sees Lucifer in the house like he just gets all his it's that bloody black cat again but, but meanwhile I'm like I'll feed him and I stuff. Didn't, I, didn't like, your, I didn't know your dad was Rex Harrison yeah yeah bloody hell get him <laughs> my dad actually my dad sounds like C-3PO that's the thing I go like I didn't go on well no my dad just has a very interesting voice it's he's in a higher range and he's British accent but it's this weird thing because he he moved here when he was six and like retained his accent oh interesting one day someone pointed that out they're just like your dad sounds like C-3PO I'm like oh he does <laughs> like but he like he, the point is he doesn't he doesn't like the, the crazy cat but I think it's fun because they're like they're a bunch of like bad teens the way they like hang out outside and they'll like hunt together and just hang out on the road they go to my neighbor's house too and hang out there because like the other day i went i was like does my cat go into your house because one day he came home chester didn't come home until late at night and we're calling him and walking around the block and he comes back and he smelled like fucking perfume like other people's house oh my i'm like are you fucking what the hell's going on here man like he's like cheating got you. some double life fucking hanging out with other women <laughs> Anyway. They're wonderful creatures. <laughs> yeah. How many cats have you got, Andy? I've just got the one right now. And Lucifer, technically... One and a half. We're sort of <laughs> co-owning him because yes. he comes in, we feed him. We actually got a cat last year, a little girl called Ruby, and we got her on a farm. And she was quite wild. It was a completely different temperament, very high-strung and quite prickly. It took a while for her to settle in, but since... He's arrived since Wesley's came. She's actually best friends with him. And the two of them play every day. They chase each other. They play. And she's her personality's completely changed. She's calmed down and she's a lot more friendly. And that's definitely because he's arrived and he wants to have fun. She's still just like a kitten. She's only like one. So don't doubt the power of getting more cats to keep each other amused. <laughs> well, how many do you have, Marco? More than I can count. Like seven or something, maybe. What? <laughs> really? Like literally the crazy cat man. Well, they just keep turning up, Andy. Like the last one, I think I sent you photos and showed you, like, because we were like, I'm not taking any more. That's it. We're done. So he had uh, Jonesy turned up, another ginger one, and he just sit there and just stare at the back window, like just stare, like all night. And it's like, go away, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> and then he'd hear us talking in the kitchen, so he started banging on the back door to let him in. Like it, it really was that, and we were forced to let him in. Now he's our kitchen cat. <laughs> He just hangs out in the kitchen and watches us make a food and shit, yeah. 
<laughs> he put on a lot of weight, though. I'm actually a bit worried about his... Uh, yeah. Anyway, I don't want to fat shame, but... <laughs> one of, it's so funny you say that one of our cats actually he has ballooned oh, no. in size in the last like month and like he's miserable he just sits there all miserable oh. someone who came to the house yesterday commented on it that cat's big egg <laughs> it's just like alright I know I like your Canadian guy I want to uh, keep talking but we're going to listen to a track here so I got a cool one from Bad Dagger and this is a cool one I think one of my Patreon people said, go check out these people. And so I did, and and it's good stuff. It's from the album uh, Awake Until Dawn. This is Take Me Away featuring Shy Marie.
And that was Bad Dagger with the track Take Me Away featuring Shy Marie. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce that. And we're back here having a little round table. We're talking about cats. Can I just confirm that it's Shy Marie and not Shia Marie? Well, it's S-H-A-I. Yeah, I would say Shy or Shay. Yeah, I'd say Shy Andy. I think Shy. Okay. Or I'm wrong, <laughs> <laughs> which is usually the case. So wait, so then the only one without a cat right now is Florence. Yeah. Aww. Are you getting any more cats? Get more. We'll see. We'll see. But you were like, you're also like into the doggies too, right? Like, do you want a little doggy? Yeah. Or just, I mean, just careful I, where this is going, Andy. I would. Careful I would where this love, is going. I would love to have a dog and a little dog. No, no, no. I would get a big ass dog. I grew up with German Shepherd, so. Big dog. I would get a German Shepherd. Nice. I would love to have a Husky, but I feel like Huskies are like, they're funny. They're so funny to watch. Huskies have the funniest personalities, but I don't know if I want to live with a Husky, so who knows. But yeah, I would get a German Shepherd, but I don't have time to take care of a dog yeah. right now. Cats are easy. Mm-hmm. Cats are the best in that regard because it's like, you just get them on automatic feeder, you get a water fountain, and then you clean out their litter blocks. Like, that's literally it. That's all you have to do. And you refill the automatic feeder like once a month it's crazy like cats are so easy you don't have to do anything for them so like in my current lifestyle it'd be better to get a cat i'm sure there's a cat out there that needs you florence i i'm sure but i moved apartments recently and i still haven't like unpacked everything because i'm really indecisive about getting furniture so i just have like boxes everywhere which is fun so now you're in a different part of la why don't you tell the audience what you got to see out your window the other day it sounds really cool (laughs) okay well yeah so i i live in like the city now like around downtown los angeles and uh i've been in la forever and i knew what i was getting into i'm closer to work this is more convenient for me but the trade-off was that i live in a really shit neighborhood now my building is safe but the neighborhood is not anyway i looked out my window and I'm like pretty high up you know I'm not really close to this so it was just far off in the distance but I'm like oh cool there's a guy taking a shit across the street yeah (laughs) that's what I get to look at every day you gotta go you gotta go an open air toilet right across the street from my building nice he was doing a jazz concert yeah doing some scat singing (laughs) is he the scat man yeah I'm a scat man oh no Marco no Get him a litter box. You don't need a cat. Just so I can put that on the street and... I'm not spending money on that shit. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I get. Something got to see. The point is that you're, you're yeah. in a new place. You get to look yeah. down and see the sights of LA. Yeah, or look up because I I do have a view other than people shitting outside. So it's that's, nice. good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I'm a very private bathroom guy. Like I just could never fathom. Just I, I, I most people are. Well, there are some people who they don't have a home and they don't have a lot of other options. There's still got to be like a tree or something. This particular spot, since we're getting to the granular details, it's like a corner. It's It was next to a building where he could like hide out. Like there mm. weren't a lot of people walking by or anything. I have a question. See how like when you walk your dog, for instance, and then the dog poops mm-hmm. and then the owner produces one of those little like bags and picks up yeah. did he produce a bag and pick up his own dookie and then put it no in? no no he just left it there well he's a bad human owner he's a bad owner yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
when I happened to look out, he had a bag next to him and he was digging through it trying to find like napkins to uh use as toilet paper. So you got like a whole show. Well, you know. How long were you watching him for, Florence? For like 30 <laughs> seconds because the first few seconds I was like, is that guy doing what he, what I think he's doing? <laughs> this is awesome. And then like. This is my street, damn it. It dawned on me what he was doing and I was like, well, I guess that's what's happening. And then I just walked away and closed my blinds and that was it. <laughs> Jesus, nice view. I have enough trouble shitting in public bathrooms. It's, I mean, I don't know what it is with the American stalls, but they all seem to have these massive gaps in the door, so I have anxiety. I can't. I really can't <laughs> shit anywhere but home. Those gaps in the stalls, I feel like I'm just, that's how I grew up because I've never lived in another country. And then like everybody in other countries are like, why are there huge gaps in your stalls? I'm like, wait, you don't have huge gaps in your stalls? They're not just what? little ones. They're huge, some of them. It's fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, the biggest gap is just shitting outside, right? Because then there's just... (laughs) There's no gap at all. Um, This is a dumb conversation. But I'll tell you what. On this show, there's no gap between playing awesome music. That doesn't even work. Marco. Yeah, I got another track for you. I'm sure the artists love when you play their songs and if they tune into the show to hear like, oh, did they say anything about my music? And all we do is just, before their song starts, they're just talking about some homeless guy taking his shit in front of Florence and then just, yeah. and now here's a track from... He's uh, not taking his shit in front of me. Well, I know, not in front. I'm being dramatic. Let's just make that very clear. I would it also was- like to make it clear too because I think when people hear these conversations, it's, it sounds like it's like, are they making fun of fucking like unhappy people or mental illness or whatever it's literally just a comment about shitting outside i know obviously people's lives got to be in pretty fucked up places where they get to the point where that's going on in their life and it's sad yes it is also just a weird thing to watch so if you <laughs> look out your window and see someone taking a shit on the road it's weird let andy know about it because he wants to talk about it apparently that was not something i expected to be telling <laughs> the audience <laughs> But yeah, like a, I bring it up and then I have to fucking give the caveat. Now listen, man, we're not saying anything fucked up here, but I also really wanted to hear about it. <laughs> All right, Marco. There's nothing shitty about this next artist, that's for sure. It's actually <laughs> auto... There's a segue. <laughs> this artist is actually called Auto Radio, and I've been listening to him for a while, but I just discovered that it is actually another one of Tommy86's side projects. <gasps> anyway... Yes, I did another one, and this is really good. This track, I've had it on repeat for a while. So the artist is Auto Radio, and the track is Coastline.
right, and that was Coastline by Auto Radio. And that was a cool song. Marco has just informed us that this is another alias of Tommy86. So there we go. This is why I get confused, man. This is why I need a fucking spreadsheet. I messaged him right away, and I said, is this you? Because I swear to God, it sounds like this particular song. It's got the same kind of drama. Like, I could just recognize his sound. And I messaged him personally and said, dude, is this you? He goes, uh, yep, sure is. I'm like, God damn, man. It's hard to keep up. Yeah, it is. It's fucking... Anyway, the point is, we're at the round table. We're having a good round time. <laughs> round time. We... I don't know. <laughs> Although this was like fucking 10 years ago now that I was given the assignment of watching fucking Basket Case. And then we all decided to watch brain damage as well but i think before we talk about brain damage i should quickly just run through basket case because it's the same director and there's a lot of sort of similar themes so i don't think you didn't see basket case did you florence no unfortunately you did watch brain damage because we all watched that like last week i did that was the homework yeah yeah i love referring to it as homework (laughs) but yeah so for anyone who hasn't seen basket case it's on tubi and it is a fucking uh speaking of the city because that one takes place in like new York and I, I, is it like the early 80s it must be like it looks like it's like 81 or late 70s or whatever yeah early 80s I believe yeah when New York was a shithole oh dude this movie like that was the one thing like my takeaway from watching Basket Case was like mm. fucking like New York is like so scummy it's almost filmed like even though it is it's a movie about a guy who's got like a little mutant brother who he keeps in a basket who's just like a blob with a face and hands sound it makes but, like, the way it's filmed, it's, like, filmed in these real locations, almost, like, documentary style, and it's, like, so dirty. Like, that's just, it just was, like, oh, my God, this city is, like, so gross. And all the locations are all these, like, fucking gross apartment buildings and, like, hotels and shit. A bit like what San Francisco looks like now. <laughs> <laughs> or L.A., my God. Or L.A., I've heard some stories about people shitting on the road in L.A. (laughs) Right in front of Florence. That's where I live. His basket case was entertaining. The creature just looks so fucking weird. But the one thing that made me laugh my head off that you guys didn't warn me about was whenever Basket Case moves, he's stop frame animated. Like there's a few scenes where Basket Case crawls out of the basket and then he's animated like as he like <laughs> walks around the room. And it was so fucking funny because I wasn't expecting that, like the stop frame animation. And so I was laughing my head off like that was fucking amazing. And then there was this weird scene where the, the main guy has this dream where he's running around the city naked and we see his Dink. <laughs> That's your favorite part. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, the word dink means penis. Yes, it does. All of Andy's <laughs> listeners know that. And it's basically just this movie where this guy's just really weird about touching, like, he always wants to touch a boob. Like, he keeps on wanting to have a relationship with a lady, and, and like, the way the movie's directed, it's like, touching a boob is a really big deal, but then his mutant brother in the basket gets jealous and, like, has to, like, murder everybody. And then they murder all the doctors that cut him off, because, like, when he was born, he had this mutant on the side of him, and so these doctors had this plan to, like, cut the mutant off off but then the mutant in the basket lived and then it's it kind of communicates telepathically with the main dude and that was basket case when you were telling me to watch it you guys did you have any like specifically that you wanted me to see because you always like laughing going like you got to see basket case man and so probably both of us it's classic it's goofy as well and it's got a certain kind of like you just don't see movies like that anymore those kind of like indie 80s with stop motion and yeah i love movies like that I love stuff like that. Yeah, for me, it was like the stop motion. Like, that was like the highlight for me. <laughs> that, that part was wicked. Um, but look, I just wanted to uh, make sure we mentioned Basket Case before we talk about brain damage, just because it's like the same filmmaker, Frank 
Henenlotter, I think he's called. And like just after everyone telling me to watch it, I fucking watched it. And you don't own any pets, no dogs or anything. No. What's in the basket? I don't know if anyone remembers Boglin's toys, but they probably took their inspiration from the basket case. You've got two seconds to haul your ass out of my office. I'm not going to be threatened by some adolescent punk with a smoldering grudge unless you've grown something else you want to cut off. What's in the basket? And I need to stress again just how weird the dialogue was in this movie. You by yourself? Yes, alone, by myself. All alone in this cold, cruel world. I just need a place to stay. What's in the basket? Anyway, the point is we all watched Brain Damage, so let's talk <laughs> about that right after we uh, listen to some cool music. So I got one here from Moy. Uh, it's spelled M-O-O-I-J, but it's pronounced Moy, and this is a fun one. This is Work It by Moy.
And that was Work It by Moy. And uh, I should say that that was brought to you by new patron. We got a new patron this week, G Gore. That's a lowercase G and then a capital G. Uh, I don't know what that means. You can write me and let me know. But G Gore has joined the Four and a Half Pound Club. That's a cool club to be in. Thank you for the pounds. You're a cool guy or lady. G Gore sounds like a, a guy name, though. I could be wrong. Let me know. The point is, I appreciate your support and uh, and thank you for supporting Beyond Synth. And on that note, we're back with the Beyond Synth Roundtable. I'm here with Michael Oakley, Florence, a.k.a. Glitbiter, and Marco Merrick, and we're now going to turn our attention to the classic film Brain Damage, which we all watched from the director of Basket Case and uh, Frankenhooker. Brain Damage was the first one that I saw of that guy mm. who did Basket Case. Me too. It must have been like early 2000s, and me and one of my mates... We were absolutely fucking stoned. And we put this movie on. Dude, me too. We used to live in Glasgow and at the West End and we would walk around and you'd have these like secondhand video stores. So we, we would just go in and you'd pay like two bucks. You could pick like a couple of videos and they had all these old videos and stuff like that. Looks funny. So we got that. And like, honestly, the bit where the little guy, the little uh, creature guy, Elmer, he goes, Hello, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be wanting some of my juice. Yes. Hi. This is the start of your new life, Brian. A life without worry or pain or loneliness. A life filled instead with colors and music and euphoria. I will say this, because Brain Damage, I think, is, like, a better movie. Obviously, like, Basket Case is, like, that dude's... I think it's his first film. It's very low-budget and cheap. But a lot of the same sort of ideas, like, they both involve, like, just a lonely guy who has this weird creature that's, like, killing people and whatever. Mm. But Brain Damage actually had some sequences that I actually really liked. Yeah. Like, I was surprised. Like, for one, I think the score was good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the score was great. When he's on the drugs and he's running around this, like, car lot. Yes, that's... And it's like the colors, and he's laughing, and it's just—it's so like low budget, but it's—it's it's cool. Do you know what I mean? It's like well, that scene yeah. actually like legitimately was cool. So like for people who don't know, brain damage is a movie about a guy. It's a very obvious metaphor for drug use and drug addiction, mm-hmm. and there's just this weird blue creature that looks like a fucking weird penis basically that has little googly eyes he's very phallic i'll give you that mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that comes out of the sink and then he just sticks a little needle he opens his mouth up and this needle sticks into the person's head and then he squirts blue stuff into their brain and then he needs to eat brains yeah. so it's like a symbiotic relationship where like the human has to take him places so that the creature can eat people's brains and then he'll get the person high but the old couple that have been keeping him like in the apartment they've been feeding them like what is it they were feeding them they're like animal brains they were they animal were, it was, brains. It was low quality yeah. so to keep low them quality weak. yeah yeah like dog food but whenever he like sticks his needle into his brain they literally just show a brain and then like this needle comes in and squirts blue stuff directly onto the brain <laughs> He just calls it his juice, which I found weird, too. It's, really. it's a little innuendo-ish. Uh, yeah, a little. It's a little bit. The blowjob death scene was actually 
pretty extreme. I heard it got censored in the earlier versions or like on VHS and stuff. Because yeah, like I was worried because my son, he always walks in when I'm watching movies like this. <laughs> and there was a few key scenes. He did walk in once and I'm glad he didn't walk in during that scene because I don't even know how the hell I would explain that. Because like, oh, Jesus. Cause he had, like unzips his pants like finds some lady at the bar and then like the stupid creature flies out of his pants. I love that it. scene. Yeah, she's like, I bet you got a real monster in there. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, that line. So my so son, good. of course, it's like I'm a little kid because I have to hide when I watch movies like this if I'm in like the main room. <laughs> and so every time some weird sex thing's about to happen, I'm like, ah, fuck. And of course, my son walks by and he walks in the room right as the scene where the main character, Brian, he's like in some weird hotel. He's gone to the city to try and get clean, but then eventually he needs a fix. And so he goes to the shower and so it's just this shot of this fucking naked guy just all soaped up and then my son just walks in just right as the shot of this stupid naked guy in the shower just looks at me and gives me this look and like walks away and I didn't even say anything I'm like whatever so there was just no context he thinks I'm watching a movie where there's just some naked guy getting soaped up and then another guy is just standing there watching him in the shower and then all of a sudden this creature that looked like a turd just like fell out of his leg and then that's all my son saw. So he'd be like, what the fuck is my dad watching? Like, <laughs> that, 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 reminds, that reminds me of that meme, that Terminator movie meme. And it's the bit when my, my parents walk in and it's the sex scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kids have a sixth sense for that stuff. It always happens that way. That's why I can't watch any of my favorite movies. Because they all have like one scene where there's like something weird. And that's always when they walk in. And like the same with if I'm watching like a movie that's got like a gory death scene or something, that's the scene where my daughter will just walk in like instantly at the exact moment. <laughs> they just have some weird sense or maybe they just hear like there's like screaming in the movie and they get like intrigued because I think kids do sort of gravitate towards like scary stuff. But then I don't know how that relates to walking in during the fucking naked guy soaping himself up scene. But whatever. this is the start of your new life, Brian, <laughs> a life full of colors, music, light and euphoria. You don't need to worry about anything ever again. I'll do all your thinking for you. Just put me on the back of your neck and everything will be fine. My neck? Wait, but I don't know. Trust me, Brian. Trust me. Also, that exposition scene was ridiculous. I mean, like, the movie's, like, fairly straightforward, and then Brian is in an alley by his apartment, and the old guy who wants Elmer back just walks out of the shadows and then just, like, announces the backstory of the movie. And it was, like, so abrupt, where this old guy just runs up. They call it an Elmer, because in the 16th century, he was willing to just go to this whole history thing. I'm like, what the fuck? Elmer belongs to me! Elmer? You fucking named him Elmer? Not Elmer. Aylmer. A-Y-L-M-E-R. An old English word meaning the all-inspiring famous one. And that he is indeed. You're crazy. Am I? The Elmer's origins can be traced back to the Fourth Crusade, where he was snatched from the Emperor Alexius during the sack of Byzantium in 1203. It's believed a Venetian mercenary named Matteo Grimaldi brought the creature to Europe, but he had to surrender it almost immediately to a renegade cardinal, a Borgia, who wanted the Elmer all to himself. 
1699, Dioma reappeared in the possession of one Don Manuel Peralta, a Spanish viceroy and freelance corsair. The thing that surprised me was just how easily it's killed at the end. Because you think, like, oh, this thing's been alive for centuries, and it's been, like, passed along, <laughs> yeah. and people have stolen it, and all this stuff. And then at the end, that old guy just squeezes it, and it dies. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? Like, that's all, this whole time, you could have just fucking squeezed this thing? Yeah, but the best bit is when he squeezes him, and he, he makes... Brian overdose Brian, like it's this ridiculous yeah. special effect where his head opens and all the light pours out and it's like <laughs> oh my god that is ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> and the whole time like the movie is a metaphor for drug addiction uh-huh. but at this point I think the metaphor just like stops because like he just shoots himself in the head and then this like bright blinding like beam of light that everyone in the neighborhood can see and it's making like science fiction whooshing noises and then the movie just closes with this animated electricity shooting out of his head and he's just standing there so I don't know what that means like metaphorically strong stuff Andy (laughs) strong stuff I'm just gonna say hello Brian again hello Brian (laughs) his voice was awesome yeah when he came on screen I was like just like the visuals were hilarious but as soon as he starts talking yeah that's really because things are like fairly serious until Elmer shows up and then like you you see his eyes and you hear it talk and it's like oh fuck <laughs> like yeah. this movie took a turn not that I wasn't expecting something like that to happen but it was just it was a good surprise yeah. what I like about movies like this when they're just so unique where it's like it's a horror film it's got all this adult content but the creature is so goofy it's just such a weird combination like he looks silly yeah. there's a little googly eyes the voice I can say I've not seen anything like that there's the one plus and it had some cool music in there yeah, yeah the end credits were a vibe. Oh man. <laughs> so great. the nightclub scene too the music playing there is pretty good with that band oh yeah the band wait I looked up the band they have a name they're like an actual band the voice of Elmer as well is they're trying to go for a sophisticated sounding articulate voice but anyway it ended up being um, actually a horror host called John Zachary who uh, was pretty well known in the 50s and 60s for hosting goddamn cars going past <laughs> Fuck. he was a horror <laughs> A television horror host. Anyway, it was well known back then, and uh, that's the guy that that's the guy that decided to use for it. And I think the voice really makes it too. Like it's pretty funny. Yeah, it, it was really funny. It was just such a weird mix of things because for the and for the most part, it was fairly. Like, it had some, like, gross scenes, but they weren't too bad. I think the blowjob scene was probably the worst. Yeah. (laughs) There's something quite charming about it. Mm -hmm. We have recently been watching old TV shows like the 80s Twilight Zone Mm -hmm. and then the 90s Outer Limits show. And the special effects are, like, quite stripped back, rudimentary. But then the focus on the plot and the things serving the narrative more even if the effects are a little goofy it's more effective than like when you watch shows now and it's just all of the plot has been pushed out of the way in favour of ah we can fly a million dollars at this explosion Mm -hmm. and we can do CGI here and make it look like this when you get a throwback to movies like that you, you forgive the lack of budget because they had to emphasize the story in these movies a bit more 
remember the outer limits when i was a kid because that's a prime example of when shows started to get filmed in canada yes and so outer yes. limits is such a vancouver like all the actors in it they always they'll get like one kind of american tv star yes that's that's and right then the rest of the cast is all people you'd recognize from like canadian tv and like stuff like that because there are some pretty cheap ones outer limits is like an x-files knockoff with more horror stuff I always remember the intro. I saw that almost more than I, I saw the show. Every story just always ended up with the main guy dying at the end. That was usually... There the is thing. nothing wrong with your television set. <laughs> <laughs> the Outer Limits. Please stand by. We gotta listen to some more music here. Alright. <laughs> now, this artist is TWRP. Now, are you gonna tell me that's twerp? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I wonder. Do you think it is? Fucks. I don't fucking know. Oh, I know this band. Yeah, they're really good. Aren't they the band that plays with Ninja Sex Party? I mean, it's possible. It's the same kind of sound. Yeah, I think it's the band that plays with Ninja Sex Party when they are playing live. Cool. It stands for Tupperware Remix Party. <laughs> well, then it must be TWRP then. Wow. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I guess so. All right. TWRP has got an awesome new album out. It's actually an EP, but I'm just discovered this artist they hail from Toronto Ontario this is really good it's like a rock band or something it's very reminiscent of something from the late 70s early 80s really like the vocals in this one the track that I decided to play off it is VHS featuring Electric 6 
and that was TWRP with VHS featuring Electric Six. We're back here at the Beyond Synth Roundtable with Marco, Michael, and Florence talking about brain damage. Actually, I should say that was funny that you chose that song, Marco, because that? Electric Six, that was one of the bands that I listened to before I found like synthwave scene. Oh, no shit. Because they've got some fun songs as well, like some synth rock stuff, and they were very um, silly. Just one of those groups that like looked like they were having fun. Like I remember um, the music video for their song Danger High Voltage was like this wacky thing where the singer was dressed as an explorer and his crotch would like light up while he made out with this old lady. And <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> anyway, what's everyone been doing? I just uh, I just watched The Flash. The new one with Ezra Miller. Yeah. Oh, we watched that. Yeah, that was okay. It was yeah, okay. It was all right. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. Good. It was nice to see Michael Keaton. Mm. He was fine, although it was funny because like whenever he fought, clearly it was either like CGI or some stunt dude. Because I love that he's like an old man, but then once he's in the Batman costume, he's like moving faster than like <laughs> any of the other Batman. Like as he's like in his fight scene and stuff. Do, do you know what's a really just on the subject of Michael Keaton? Do you know it's a really great show that he was in at the end of last year? Has any of you guys seen Dope Sick? No. Oh my God! I promise you. Get a hold of Dope Sick and watch that. That is absolutely amazing show. He's phenomenal in it. It's all about Purdue Pharmacy and like the influx of Oxycontin into America and how they created an epidemic mm-hmm. and all these addicts and they're still settling the lawsuits from it. But it's it's really great show. Really great. See, you seem to watch lots of like actual serious adult things. <laughs> my my list of things I've watched are The Flash and Guardians of the Galaxy and Mission Impossible and things like this. Oh my. Well, well. Ready to beg for it, Brian? Ready to crawl across the floor and plead for my juice? Because you know what it's like when the weather changes and it gets colder, especially in Canada. And I guess where you are, Marco, the seasons will change and it'll get into much more colder weather. You find yourself rooted at dinner time onwards to watching television. And we went through a, a phase of, right, right, what's like the highest rated TV shows we've never watched? And what we'll do is we have this rule. We download the first couple of episodes, we watch them, and if we still like it, we'll watch it. If we don't, then we'll move on to the next thing. And we just went through this like, mad marathon at the end of last year and the start of this year of watching a bunch of stuff. We watched Dope Sick, we watched Succession um, we watched Severance What was that one with the girl, she reminds me a bit of you actually Florence, what's her name she played the girl who was like this tech person who got jailed recently for like claiming that they had this medical machine and then it was all a big fraud. Oh, oh I know what you're talking oh, Elizabeth about. Elizabeth Holmes? Yeah, uh, yes, that's right. Yeah, that's the real woman. Yeah. The show that it was about that, it was like a mini series, like four episodes or something. That was amazing as well. That was really good. Great acting. But I can't remember who was that actress's name. What do you do though? Because I'm assuming you mean like you're watching it with your wife. Yeah, yeah. And saying like, if we like it, we keep going. But what if one of you votes yay and the other one votes nay? Then we skip. We just move on. Amanda Seyfried. That's it. Oh, is that who plays? Yeah, she was in an amazing show. Cool. The Dropout. It's called The Dropout. Yeah, that whole story I find fascinating. How far she got with just complete bullshit and how much money she raised and how much recognition. So I, I should check that out. That sounds really good, actually. Also, like, in the aftermath of it as well, it's like she got pregnant to try and, like, get out of going to prison. Oh, my God. And it's like, no, no, no. 
you're still going to prison, you're just going to give birth first and we're going to take, Jesus. you know, the baby can go to your family and you're still going to prison. So, yeah, well done. Another high brain scheme doesn't work out. But yeah, we watched that. It's obviously Severance. We've talked about that in the previous show. I always say the first episode is laying down pipe. So unless you really hate the first episode, watch the second episode just to see if maybe the, the first episode has set up the characters, the dynamics, so that when the second episode comes, the story takes off. Yeah. Um, there was one recently on Apple, Slow Horses. We got to episode three and like, nah, this is shit, get this off. Well, it's good that you guys have a rule like that, because I mean, I've said this before, but Game of Thrones, you know, that took me like five episodes to get into. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until Jason Momoa, like, poured the gold on Daenerys' brother's head. That's when, like, I understood, oh, you know, this show can kill off major characters in shocking ways. And it's exciting because, like, you don't know where the story's going. Yeah. The only show that I watched lately, which was really funny, if you're into the humor of it, was MacGruber. MacGruber. I was chatting to Griff about MacGruber, and that, like, reminded me that there was this... They made like a one season sequel TV show, I think about like two years ago. So I finally watched that and I enjoyed it. If you like MacGruber the movie, you'll like the show. Like there was lots of good laughs in there. And what else did I watch? Uh, Oh, I watched all the Mission Impossible movies. Mm, The new one was good. Dude, honestly, that's a franchise that I have been not really purposefully ignoring, but just I watched the first two like in the 90s and then I just never watched them again. And I got to say, I totally misjudged that franchise because they get better and better and like episode five and six of that of those Mission Impossible movies were like really good to the point where I was like surprised. Like when the movie was over, I was like, wait a second, was that movie actually like really good? I've never, I don't think I've ever seen another franchise like this where once they get into having like the same director and like the movies like have this sort of consistency and they keep the same team from like movie to movie and then they just... They're still over the top, like ridiculous, but just really well directed and the action scenes are fun and exciting and stuff. And yeah, I actually really enjoyed them. I still have to watch Maverick. That's why I paid for, I got Paramount Plus because it was free for a month. And so I'm like, I'm going to watch Maverick. And then I ended up watching all the Mission Impossibles instead. You mean you don't use Pirate Bay? (laughs) No, I fucking, I'm doing all the free, I'm doing all the free samples right now. That was a a test. (laughs) I don't use it either. (laughs) I mean, I should, considering all the fucking shit I'm subscribed to. It's way too much. We've got Apple and we've got Netflix and we don't use it. Every few days we check Netflix. No, nothing new, just more bullshit. Yeah. Usually some overdubbed true crime thing. It's like, oh God, I don't want to know about some woman that was murdered in a supermarket. (laughs) Who cares? One of my childhood friends who I talk to maybe like twice a year at this point he's been into these fucking true crime things so whenever he calls me and the other day I had to call him on it because like we usually have like fun conversations then he'd just call me all he's been watching is true crime shit so he's just going off just like oh man these people in this home invasion fucking got like murdered the, the husband in front of the wife and like made her watch I'm like why the fuck are you telling me this like it's like because he just had to get it off his chest because he's just been watching all this fucked up shit and I'm like I don't want to hear about this shit it's just non-stop horrible stories of like the worst people in the world and like meanwhile like I'm just watching fucking goofy comedies and stuff and do you, do you think the true crime bubble has burst because remember there was a period for a few years where true crime was really popular yeah there was even these huge like true crime podcasts as well but the problem with them i guess the problem with all of them is like a lot of them just end up being fluff with like no resolution like they don't uncover any new information there's no twists but i mean like you know i get it like i mean they can't all be the jinx oh my god 
I'm so happy you mentioned that. That's maybe my favorite. Because it has an ending. It's got an ending after the ending. <laughs> and that's what's missing is because there's a few great stories where you follow some crazy fucked up people and it ends with a conclusion where you're like, holy shit, like they actually uncovered something or something serious happens. And then during that true crime bubble, all these other true crime stories start being told, but they don't have endings. No. So you're just watching and then you finally get to the end and like, I guess we'll never know. Like, What? You just fucking watched this for fucking 10 episodes and you guys didn't know where this was fucking going? I did also see the jinx. That was... The jinx is yeah, amazing. Yeah, the ending to that was fantastic. Holy if, shit. Marco, have you seen it? Have you seen the jinx, Marco? No, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't even heard about it until now. Oh, yeah, okay. The, yep. The jinx? Watch that. I don't want to spoil it. So it's basically about a guy called Robert Durst. Mm -hmm. This guy is from a multi-millionaire family. There was a couple of murders that had happened mm -hmm. so a movie was made All Good Things? Yeah, it had Ryan Gosling Yeah, that's the one All Good Things And basically Ryan Gosling plays Robert Durst and Robert Durst contacted the director and said the movie was really good but there's a few issues why don't we sit down and do an interview so the director takes him up on this interview but the interviews end up leading to the case being reopened <laughs> against him and I'm going to leave it at that because if I tell you anymore it would ruin it but mm -hmm. even it's got the greatest ending yeah. of any true crime show I've ever it's chilling it's like oh my <laughs> god level okay it's so great <laughs> oh my god basically as the documentary goes mm -hmm. it's unlike any other true crime thing where like it's yeah, actually yeah. like they're discovering things as the documentary is going that's actually new it's his it's his hubris yeah. His attention-seeking hubris is what un undone him because he saw the movie, he liked the attention, but the attention wasn't really focused on him directly. Because he obviously, you know, a lot of these guys, they think they're invincible. They get away with it a few times and then they get a little bit cocky. That sounds interesting. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out for sure. Oh, oh yeah. It's, cool. it's really great. How the hell do I not know about it? Oh, my God, it's amazing. <laughs> but here's the thing. Even once the documentary ends... There's more information that comes out after the fact. There's a trial. He's dead now. He actually died just last year. It's the most mind-blowing. It's up there. The only other documentary I would put up at that level is Evil Genius on Netflix. Well, I don't think I've watched that one. Oh, my God, that's amazing. I'll give you the premise of this. <laughs> Some guy walks into a bank with a bomb attached around his neck. He scribbles on a piece of paper, I need you to give me this money. Oh, I know that one. Or I won't be able to get to the next location in time to get the key to unlock the bomb from my neck. Basically, they call the police and the police keep him outside. They think he's a, nut, a nutcase. But the bomb goes off and yeah. he dies and then it uncovers this whole web of this person who was forced to go and rob a bank and he had to go to these various locations to pick up a key to unlock the bomb to stop it from blowing up. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that one. That one's pretty fascinating. It's interesting because they work out that the route that the guy would have taken to get the keys, he would never have made it in time anyway. When you watch it, you'll see it uncovers a whole thing that you, I don't want to spoil it, but... The Jinx, Evil Genius, those are two my two picks for, like, gold standard true crime. Cool. Well, my pick is Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <laughs> the 1997 <laughs> sequel. That's <laughs> so bad. What the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> <You're welcome>. Yeah. <laughs>
That's Michael. <laughs> Listen, Marco. Yes. Play me a song before Michael screams again. Yeah. All right. Well, I got a new Dark Synth track here. This one's really good. I'm really liking the dark vibes. It's from Vector 7. His new one is just a single, and it's called The Cult. And that was Vector 7 with the track The Cults. And we're back on the uh, Beyond Synth Roundtable with Florence and Marco and Mike talking about documentaries and things. What's been going on with Marco? Well, I just wanted to say those 
crime documentaries, a series, right? Miniseries, whatever you call them, really good. But the one that kind of put me off them a little bit and kind of, was really good, but at the end, it was a lot of bullshit. And in the end, the people that made the documentary themselves made it out like he was innocent and fabricated a lot of shit to make it more amusing. And it kind of keeps you hanging. And I believe they did a season two as well. But fuck, what was it called? Hang on. I think that's the problem with a lot of these where like you've got a few that just have great narratives and then you got other people jumping on the bandwagon but there's not a full story and so they try and make it like I remember I used to always I, I would give the benefit of the doubt to documentaries anyways like I would watch documentaries and be like oh these are good even when they weren't that great it was interesting that you were like learning something and then on Netflix early on in Netflix there was this stupid documentary made by some like college kids about wanting to talk to John Hughes the movie director and because in the end of John Hughes life he was kind of a recluse and would just sort of hang out in his mansion and like didn't make movies anymore or whatever and the whole movie was them setting up that they're going to send this letter to John Hughes and usually when you have a documentary like this you still have to have an ending and then in the final 10 minutes we find out who the killer is or they get to sit down with Arnold you know like I'm a big fan of Arnold Schwarzenegger and then the last 10 minutes he's in the movie and you get to meet him this is like that movie Bruno you know the movie Bruno with the now my exclusive interview with Harrison Ford yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he goes, he's across him outside a restaurant. Like, Harrison, fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> so a lot of documentaries, you know, there's still a narrative that they weave in the edit because they know this movie's going to pay off because mm. at the end, we're going to find Sugar Man. So when it starts and it's all about finding Sugar Man and then at the end, they find Sugar Man, right? And in this case, the whole movie's building up. They're all talking about how much they love John Hughes and they're going to send him a letter. And at the end, they send him a fucking package. He never comes outside. He doesn't answer the door. And then he never even read <laughs> the package it was just like a return to sender where he just like sent their package back because he doesn't want to read anything that people send him so that was it so the end of the movie was they never fucking talked to john hughes he never fucking uh even reads their letter it just got sent back automatically probably by like the maid or something of the house and like that was like the end of the movie and it was like you fucking assholes like why the hell did i just watch this like i could have made this movie we're just like you know i'm a big fan of fucking sylvester stallone i collect all this stuff and whatever and the movie just ends where i called him and he didn't pick up the phone the end (laughs) after that i was like so soured on these fucking like netflix documentaries ever since then i'm like a little wary before i get into a documentary because i'm like does this thing have a fucking ending like because i'm not going to commit the time no the one i was thinking of was making a murderer yeah okay like, it's okay. really riveting and everything but then you find out there's a lot of like bullshit is that the Stephen avery one? yes yeah that's the one yeah the first season of that was really good and then i was like wait it was they're doing a second season like yeah really like how is this how is this how is there more to this Mm. And yeah, and people on the internet was like, well, that's really not how it went. Internet people can't trust Yeah, them. there was some stuff like, they're saying that the police tampered with shit and all this sort of stuff. And then it turns out, no, that's very standard procedure and like stuff like that. You know, like, yeah, there's, like it's been a while since I've seen it, but there is still a lot of bullshit to that case as far as the police did a lot of, you know, things that weren't right. And I, I don't know, it's a very muddled, but I just feel like they really try to make a show out of it to make it more entertaining than actually be factual in, in some, some cases. The, the thing I remember most about that show was you mm. remember Stephen Avery's nephew Brendan Dassey yeah I think he might be the stupidest person yes I've ever seen on screen <laughs> me and my wife we would always laugh you know when he was in prison they would mm. do the phone calls and you could hear them doing the phone calls every single time someone phones like this guy Brendan Dassey he would always like go 
Brendan? And he goes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it just started to become this like thing because he kept on noticing it and I couldn't stop laughing. He was the dumbest guy I've ever seen on screen. And he's not even fiction, he's real. <laughs> was season two like the same crime? or was It was it a lawyer, it was a high-profile lawyer that took over his case who was clearly yeah. trying to use it for boosting her own profile and yeah. nothing came of yep. it. He should have left that place. He shouldn't have went back there. Stephen Avery should have left and never looked back. Yeah. That was his biggest mistake. Well, the bottom line is, I gotta watch this fucking uh, bomb guy. Bomb Bank. Was it, <laughs> was it that what it was called? Bomb Bank? Bomb Bank. <laughs> is that Evil Genius? Evil Genius. Evil Genius. Okay, okay. Mm. Fucking Bomb Bank Magoo. And the Jinx. The Jinx, that's what I need to see. Yeah, yeah, I'll be watching that. I got a bookmark, mate. Oh! Do you guys know about the show Baywatch Nights? <laughs> no. That's gonna be a, that's gonna be a hard no. <laughs> you want me to watch Baywatch Nights? That sounds fantastically terrible. Come on, Andy. I'm not watching that shit. No, it's fucking wild. I remember when this show came on TV, and it was about how Mitch fucking David Hasselhoff opens up a detective agency at nighttime. Of course he does. And it's a detective show, okay? God. But it was called Baywatch Nights. So he's playing the same character, but in season. two... Two, I guess season one was like pretty boring and straightforward and they wanted to spice it up. So season two has supernatural plots. Oh my what? god. <laughs> and it is dude, watch any clip on YouTube. It's so fucking funny. So season two of fucking Baywatch Nights has like fucking ghosts and like fucking werewolves and things, but he's still playing the same character from Baywatch. It's specifically oh season God. two of Baywatch Nights, but it's corny, so it's not like the same as like an X Files or whatever, where it's still done on the this like really shitty like fucking Baywatch budget. And dude, I think we all have to fucking watch this show because I think there's one. <laughs> where he goes into like a time warp what the fuck <laughs> but it's just amazing because he is Mitch from Baywatch and so it's like and I never knew this existed someone pointed it out to me and it's like how the fuck did I not know that this happened and that it's real can, can I just add at this point at this juncture that this show gets 17% rating on Rotten Tomatoes oh of course. no it's garbage like it's not going to be good <laughs> just adding that in there for context <laughs> I'm surprised there's 17 or that people even bothered to rate it. But yeah, dude, like I, I saw a few clips and I was laughing hard at what I saw. Here's one. Are you ready for this? This is yeah. one of the episodes. So this aired on the, in February 1997. It's called Frozen Out of Time. So this is from season two. Mitch Buchanan, Ryan and Griff investigate strange incidents in which two frozen 900-year-old Vikings arrive in Los Angeles from Iceland after falling and they immediately come to life and restart their feud. Uh-huh. I mean, who comes up with that as a plot? Right, I've got an idea. Right, what if we get these two guys that are like Vikings but they've been frozen for like nearly a thousand years and then they thaw out and they're still alive and then they're still annoyed at each other after a thousand years <laughs> of being frozen. But like the fact that it's technically canon within the world of Baywatch is what makes it so awesome. Yeah. Some people fly to the darkness. Some people stand in the darkness. Afraid to step into the light. Some well, look, I want to listen to another song and then we'll keep talking. So I'm going to play this one from Mr. Creep. And uh, this is a cool one that he did with Shred Krueger. This is Skull Dusk. 
and that was Skull Dusk by Mr. Creep featuring Shred Kruger. And we're back here on the Beyond Synth Roundtable. We're talking about the further adventures of Mitch Buchanan on Baywatch Nights. Can I read you one more? Yes, please <laughs> do. Read the whole synopsis. This aired in May 1997. It's called The Vortex. Right, so here's the synopsis. On a day off, Ryan drags Mitch to a fortune-telling booth at the Malibu Pier, where an Indian guide sends them into an eerie tunnel from which Mitch and Ryan emerge 20 years into the future and watch helplessly their future lives. Okay, that's got to be awesome. <laughs> they do like some like shitty future stuff. <laughs> Maybe like they'll oh put people God. in funny outfits. Yeah, that sounds great. In a strange way, you're making me want to watch this. I bet this is all on YouTube for free because <laughs> even the network doesn't want to challenge it for copyright. <laughs> it's <just> that shit. <laughs> the fact that it exists is so awesome. So I'm, I'm going to watch some by myself and pleasure myself. Uh- so what else is going on? <laughs> Florence, what's going on in, the, in Florence world? I've been watching Ahsoka. How's that? It's really really good. I watched, I did a rewatch of the animated series Rebels, which I've decided is my favorite Star Wars animated series. And that was nice rewatching that, which prepped me for Ahsoka. And Ahsoka's been really good so far. Well, that's good. I still need to finish Andor as well. But like, where does, so where would you say Ahsoka goes in the Star Wars TV rankings? Like from what I've seen, like my list is probably, you know, Mandalorian season one. Yeah. I still liked season two. The Boba Fett episodes that were the ones with Mando and Luke. Then I guess Andor is next, even though like I didn't watch all of it, but like it was good. Andor's good. And then I I guess Mando season three, Obi-Wan and Boba Fett at the bottom. I really liked Andor. I think Andor would be up there for me as well because Andor is darker. It just, it deals with kind of darker, like deeper stuff and it, yeah. they did it really well. But yeah, so good. obviously there's only three episodes, but I like it so far. Is it like better than Obi-Wan and Boba Fett? Definitely better than Boba Fett. Boba Fett is my, probably my least favorite one. And like Obi-Wan, I was really excited for Obi-Wan but I think I was more excited for Ahsoka. Okay. They're going in a more kind of like mythical Jedi. They're dealing with more like force stuff. Okay. And Jedi stuff in this. And there's like fucking witches and crap, which is best. It's it's good. It's great. I like what they're doing so far. But anyway. The, the trailer looked cool. It's just now I'm sort of burned because I've seen too many cool trailers that led to things that I didn't like. Yeah, you can't trust trailers. And so now I'm just kind of like, eh, okay, I, I'll hedge my bets until the thing comes out. But with Ahsoka, it's it's weird because it's basically Rebel Season 5. So since I've been invested in Rebels for so long, I'm it's really exciting for me because I'm like, I know all these characters that, who they're talking about, but mm. I don't know how a person who has not seen Rebels or doesn't know the whole backstory of Ahsoka, I don't know how people are going to perceive the show. I don't know how I feel about the mixing of mediums. Like, I feel like when a franchise is a certain way, like it's like it's cinematic or it's a live action franchise, I don't think I like the idea that you have to watch a cartoon to understand a live action thing. I feel like it should all be like, I don't mind if there's like cartoons that are like supplementary <laughs> like when we were kids like you know there was like droids and ewoks but like yeah. you could watch those shows but they didn't affect the plots of the movies yeah, you know what i mean of course this is just kind of a random weird thing because when clone Wars started it was before disney bought star wars and it was dave filoni working with george lucas i don't know what they were thinking for the future but there was no you know future of star wars at that point and so they were just making a show for kids and 
Dave Filoni started out in animation and he was doing really well. So they're like, hey, you want to do live action? And he's like, okay. Like the intention of Rebels and Clone Wars was never to like eventually go into live action. Or maybe it was. I don't know. I don't know the long game. In terms of like the way I feel about it, I don't know what the solution would be. Because yeah. would, I, would I like to see them just remake like condense the story down of like the cartoons and like mm-hmm. just remake them in live action with the same plots because I mean like obviously if you're a fan and you're into this stuff mm-hmm. it's good that it's considered canon mm-hmm. right so it's yeah. just like oh, I didn't waste my time like this actually is the story of what happened you and, know yeah it's really exciting for me to see all of this in live action but I'm curious to see how other people are going to perceive it. Well, I'm probably not going to rewatch Rebels. So, like, I'll watch the show and I'll tell you how confused I am. You don't have to. Andy, this reminds me of that time you were annoyed when, remember when they had released those Star Wars toys and it was like, Admiral Akbar's car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, oh, yeah, there's the car from the movie. I like <laughs> I mean, obviously, Admiral Akbar's car was like a more recent thing. Like, I wasn't collecting toys at that point in my life. But as a kid, I, I love Batman Returns because he only wears one Batman costume the whole movie. So all the toys were just nonsense things they invented. And it was just like fucking aquatic Batman and satellite Batman and these other ones where he's got these like fancy suits. The signal goes out. Crime is on the rise. Batman Returns. Exploding with power. The Bat Ski Boat thunders ahead, bolting onto land for a missile attack. Gonna fly! My dear Penguin Commandos, the time has come to punish Batman! Batman? Deep dive Batman surfaces. Fire! Tearing into battle, Batman blasts his torpedo. Penguins all wet. Gotham City's greatest hero, Batman Returns. Kenner, they were so cheap. They took the penguin. They didn't even make a new toy for the penguin. They just took the 1960s penguin toy and painted him. They gave him a black coat. It was the exact same toy. It didn't look like Danny DeVito at all. I think they took advantage of the fact that kids didn't really care about that no. too much. Because I would buy them. And also, like, without the internet, there were more. There were fewer people nitpicking things like that. Yes. Yes. There wasn't some dickhead posting on Twitter, oh, look, the paint on my fucking, like, penguin thing is off. His hair's <laughs> different color. No, that wasn't a thing. They would do weird things, too, because, like, the paint would always chip on the toys. And I remember one just was so confusing to me because I bought, like, the Beetlejuice toys because I loved Beetlejuice when I was a kid. Mm. And I remember one, it was Beetlejuice, and it was sort of modeled after the scene where he first shows up and he sees them the first time. And he's got sort of, like, a blue coat and green pants. And if you scratched the blue coat, it was green underneath, like, the plastic was green. And if you scratched the green pants, it was blue plastic underneath. (gasps) And I remember just going, like, why the fuck did they do this? Like, they could have just switched the actual plastic they used, and then the thing wouldn't scratch. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice! Yahoo! It's showtime! Hey, annoying hombres making you do stuff you hate? Don't lose your head. Make them history. Ah! Think that's scary? Watch this! Whoa! That went right through me! Did you see that? Now watch this. First, a double team! Ah! Now, a double scare! Ah! Nobody beats me! Ah! So when you want to scare somebody, give me a call. Beetlejuice! 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 Gaggle! Anyway, Beetlejuice. Marco! Yes, ma'am? Did you say yes, ma'am? I was going to get you to play me a song, but maybe you should tell me how you feel about Ahsoka. Do you even know what that word means? (laughs) I have no idea what the fuck that means, Andy. Oh. Oh, wait. Actually, Marco, have you been watching any new Star Trek? I haven't been watching anything lately. I've just been working a lot. But... 
I do have some time off coming up, so... Oh, that's good. Why, what should I be watching? Well, speaking of animation and live-action mixing mediums, mm -hmm. Star Trek Strange New Worlds did a really cool crossover episode with Lower Decks. Lower Decks is an animated no Star Trek TV show. Yeah. And it was hilarious, and it was very well done. If you haven't, I would recommend Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks, if you have not watched either. That goes for anyone listening. Okay, cool. Yeah, I hear really good things about Strange New Worlds. Yeah, cool. I'll be meaning to get around to that. Yeah, it's great. Cool. It's really great. They also did a musical episode, which was super extra, but it was also hilarious and fun. Did they have an excuse for the musical one? Yes, it was a, there was a scientific reason <laughs> okay. why it was a musical. <laughs> it was, I mean, you know, it's it's far-fetched, but they Star trek it enough, so it actually was like, okay. Okay. Like, did some, like, brain bug shoot into their heads and so they could only hear music or something? Something like that. Okay. <laughs> but it was funny and it was surprisingly well done. Well, speaking of music, Marco, play me some. All right. Time Cop 1983 is another awesome album that just came out. It is called Searching for Tomorrow. <laughs> what? <laughs> that just came out? <laughs> that just came out? It's called Searching for Tomorrow, and it's really good, like all this stuff is. Actually, the one I like the most of it that sticks out to me, I was going to say there's a lot of good vocal tracks there with uh, Josh Daly as well, but uh, the one that sticks out to me is the opening track. It's called Dark Days. <laughs>
Night, and that was Dark Days by Time Cup 1983. And we're back. I had a thing I was going to talk about. This is real brief. We can probably fucking wrap up as soon as well because we've been chatting for a while. But you ever been with somebody in a store? So far, yes. <laughs> like a department store, like a Walmart or a grocery store. But you separate. Go, oh, check out this. I'm going to go to this side. And then you literally can't find each other again. <laughs> oh my God. I do that with my wife all the fucking time. This happens all the time. Wait, is this an, is this an episode of Baywatch Nights? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mention Ryan, go to a store. And it turns out they're 20 years in the future. So, <laughs> no, because the other day, and this fucking, it blew my mind. I was like, okay, my wife's in the other side of the grocery store, and I start walking down all the aisles. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I turned my camera on because I wanted to know. I'm just like, okay, like, what is this phenomenon? I just walked down every aisle, did not find her, turned the camera on, and I start walking, go like, okay, look down aisle two, no one's there, aisle three, no one's there. And I was filming with my phone so that I could look at the footage later and go, did my eye not see something? You know what I mean? Like, maybe you actually did pass where your spouse was or whatever, and you didn't see them, but for whatever reason, your eye didn't pick it up. And I filmed the whole thing, and I didn't see her, and it made no fucking sense. And that's my story. I'm just saying, like, I literally turned my camera on. I walked Dude, down every aisle. this happens aisle, to me every time she, I go to Walmart And she was never wife. found again. Yeah, and I, eventually I bumped oh, into her at the other side of the... And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, you wouldn't believe this. I fucking filmed the whole thing. I walked a circle around the whole grocery store. I ran down every aisle. And then I filmed, like, sideways. So if I was walking one direction, I'd film the other direction just to see if I watched the footage later. Like, oh, she was in the background of this shot but I didn't see her because I wasn't looking in that direction and literally like it's like she just disappeared and it wasn't even on the footage or anything and it made no fucking sense but it's an idea for people in the future because if you you both have phone like if you're in the Walmart you know Marco and fucking Jazzy's there too Hmm. if you guys can't find each other fucking text each other and just say turn your fucking cameras on and like sync the footage to actually see the route that everyone's taking. Swisher goes invisible. She'll go like, I'm just going back to get this. I missed it. And then she's gone for a while. So I'm like, did she find it? Maybe I can help. So I go back and like, I do the same thing every fucking aisle. It's like, what the fuck? Why didn't you go to the security office and get like the embarrassment of doing like a tannoy system? And he's looking for his wife. It is a fascinating phenomenon, right? Because it happens all the time. Mm. And I will literally walk down every aisle. And sometimes I'll run. I'll be like, okay, fine. Maybe I'm walking so slow that we just happen to be like just not meeting up. So then I'll just start fucking running down every aisle, looking down everything. And it's like they're just gone. And so I want to do like a scientific experiment where we just, okay, sync up, turn your camera on, and then we'll walk until we find each other. And then I would like to watch the footage like in a split screen where you watch like fucking like Andy cam and then wife cam and then just see the routes you're taking. I would love to see like a bird's eye view of the store as well. Like GTA (laughs) 1. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, dude, wouldn't that be fascinating just to actually see the bird's eye view and go, oh, like literally the second I turned into this aisle, you turned left down this aisle. And that's why we didn't meet up for like another four minutes because of the route. And anyway, it was just something that was on my mind that was just driving me nuts because it always happens. And then filming it didn't actually solve my issue. That's all. But did you get the groceries that you required for the for the week? Yeah, it was really expensive. <laughs> when you do like family shops now, like the price of groceries and like if you get like a big cart full of groceries, it's a lot of money. Just yeah. sh- shot left. <laughs> Your answer to everything. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> pirate bay. I didn't, ask, I didn't ask to come into this world, so it was well, me a living. 
Honestly, though, it is getting to the point where, like, because I used to pirate all the time, and then I stopped at a certain point when I got one of those letters from HBO. Oh, they can't do anything in Canada. I know they can't do anything, but when I looked at my bill last month of, like, just all the subscriptions, it's in the hundreds of dollars I'm paying a month for it's fucking just, And some of them I can't, like, Amazon I can't cancel because mm. I use Amazon for deliveries all the time. Like you say, Netflix, I don't watch. There's barely anything on there that I care about. I feel bad for some of the companies that feel the need to jump into the streaming when they have no content to back it up because I'm like on Prime doing all the free monthly samples and like Paramount Plus really is just Maverick and the Mission Impossible movies and South Park and then Star Trek but also they fucked over Star Trek because they got rid of Prodigy and then everyone complained and then they also got rid of some Star Trek movies Mm. and so there's like People are like, fuck that, Pirate Bay forever. Well, also, like, just if I'm paying, like, 120 bucks and just all these different video streaming things, it's like, well, maybe I'll just rent one movie a week, like the one that I would have actually watched, and it'll be, like, four ninety nine. Yeah. And it'll still be cheaper, and you're still doing it, like, the legal way. But, like, yeah, like, MGM, like, there's another one where it's just, like, MGM Classics Collection. And it's just, they basically just have like a hundred movies and that's it. And it's like, why would I pay five bucks a month to watch what, like Rocky four? Like, I mean, like it was weird to me. And the same with Apple, like I'm going to sign up to Apple when Severance season two comes out just for that show. Cause that's like the only thing I, I care about on that network. If it makes you feel any better, I would never pirate music, but think about it. If it's a movie, then it's going to be on regular television in two years anyway, so you're, you're just cashing that in now. <laughs> <laughs> I could be dead now. Uh. Yeah. I'm just cashing that in now. Because there is this weird sort of dip in certain types of movies that used to exist, and there's like this video of Matt Damon sort of explaining it, that basically streaming services took over, and then the DVD market went away, and that was where a lot of these mid-budget mm. indie movies or more maybe like adult kind of films were made, where, you know, maybe the budget was only like $40 million or something, but you'd still have a movie star, you know, you'd have a bunch of big names, yeah. and the whole thing was, maybe they'd only make like $20 million in the theater, but they'd make their money back in DVD sales. Yeah. And so since the, the DVD market doesn't exist the same way that it used to, that's why people are only going to go to the theater to see giant movies. And so then there's this weird void where like that mid-budget movie kind of doesn't exist anymore, that sort of indie film. So it's a weird system because I used to love just, I would buy movies, mm-hmm. like have the physical copies of the films, but because we're so trained for streaming now, it's like, why go to the movie theater when you know it's just going to be on Disney plus in two months two months it's on pirate bay right now (laughs) (laughs) i can have that motherfucker on my usb stick within 15 minutes i mean i I get the logic right i often see people that are musicians because obviously i'm like me and florence are musicians so we understand the whole issue with streaming royalties and the fact that we we don't get paid the kind of money that we should be but companies like Spotify are making a fortune but I think that when I see all those posts about people moaning they don't realise that Spotify is not here to serve people like me and Florence it's serving the customers they're literally providing like a Netflix service and all they care about is getting as many subscribers and providing the cheapest 
possible system to attract more people to this subscription model. But I do agree with you. I think that there has definitely been, there's very few people like Scorsese because someone like Scorsese does get the backing because of his name alone. Mm-hmm. So he can pr- produce these independent movies. But it is sad, isn't it? Because like... I can't remember the last time I was really like Oppenheimer actually there's a a good movie that came out recently that we went and watched and I've always blown away but movies that I'm blown away by at the movie theatre are few and far between the new Mission Impossible movie was great as well yeah no I'm looking forward to that one but I mean like you know movies were always commercial like and it it is a business, but they call it content now for a reason because it just feels like the companies treat it like that. With all these situations now where movie studios are like canceling movies as tax write-offs and like pulling shows off streaming services, like movies and TV just feel more like a product than they ever have before. What was the Batwoman movie? Was that a movie? That yeah, that was Batgirl. Can- Batgirl got canned, that's right. Yeah, like fucking $90 million and it's worth more to them as a tax write-off than it is to actually put the movie out and it was already filmed so what's happening now is like streaming isn't making the kind of money for these companies that the original model did of like the dvd model and the going to tv and syndication model but at the same time the audience we're now changed like it's the same with spotify it's like people just expect why buy the new album when i can just go on spotify and it'll be there and i just pay like my 10 bucks a month or whatever and listen and so it's created a weird cycle where no one wants to buy movies the way that they used to but yet if they don't then the movies that we liked aren't getting made and like no one gives a shit and all that matters is like marvel and this other stuff and i just remember a time where like those movies would come out and you'd be like oh like i can't wait to see that film which is just yeah a bunch of wise talking guys who are robbing a bank or something it's like not a big deal it's not a super high stakes movie but it was still exciting because it was like a cool new movie that came out do you know i think one of the biggest genres that suffered from that is sci-fi as i mentioned earlier you know we've been watching outer limits which is like a goofy 90s sort of sci-fi show but it's entertaining to watch and then even like a movie like do you ever remember a movie called Event Horizon yeah 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 brilliant movie yeah and that wasn't like a huge budget movie like that's probably one of those like 50 million ones or 60 or whatever like Mm -hmm. compared to the fucking you know 300 million these fucking Marvel movies can Mm -hmm. get to and then like you can't necessarily take the risks you would on like a lower budget movie because if a movie has to make like a billion to break even like you've got to play things safe I feel like there's too many hands in the now as well I think like there's too many people that monkey around with decisions about the content within those movies and by the time the thing gets back all the way around the table to the director it's not the same thing that he started with because Mm -hmm. too many people have interjected their spin on it and financial investors or we need to have this social issue in this movie now and we need to have this type of typecast character and we need to have this type of relationship between these two characters and then by the end of it you're like fuck me is there anything sincere in this movie anymore it goes back to this you can't take the risk it's like before if they had the model of the mid-budget movie where they go if it doesn't make its money it'll make it back somewhere else and so people are more inclined to take a risk on like a weird film because it might find a following like think about when we were young there's lots of movies that became popular because of dvd sales Uh like movies like austin powers like it fucking 
didn't do well at the box office, but then on DVD, people discovered it. Freddy got fingered. <laughs> there was no sequel to that, though. But, like, some movies got franchises because their success on DVD was so big. It was like, oh, maybe people do want this. Remember, like, Family Guy got canceled. That's right. And then its success on DVD sales led to it coming back. I think a similar thing even happened with 24, where, like, the show was, like, did okay in its first season. But then, like, it got really popular on DVD because it was such a it was a great show to binge watch. And when hundreds of millions of dollars are on the line and it's some big fucking superhero movie, it's like you can't take the risk. And so no one wants to be the person who makes an official decision because then you're the stupid executive who's going to get fired if you were the one who suggested that Batgirl would be a good movie. Uh-huh. And then it comes out and it sucks. Then it's just like, hey, man, it was Steve's idea. <laughs> like he, he wanted fucking Batgirl or whatever. So then... You know, a good example, actually, probably of recent times is, did any of you guys watch Mindhunter? on Netflix. I saw the first yeah, I saw the did. first it was season. very good. So that's David Fincher that was behind that. He did the game, yeah. Zodiac, really great director. He's got a very unique style. And the show was amazing. Really great. Followed the basically it's about the history of psychology being put into the FBI for profiling for serial killers and things. Anyway, the show has been cancelled now and I don't think Netflix were willing to put the money into it. There was another show we watched last year that I loved, Archive 81. It's like a horror show. Oh man, that was really fucking awesome. Right? And they cancelled it. They fucking cancelled it within two months of it coming out. (laughs) And do you know what? I I looked into it because I was pissed. I was at the point where I was like, I'm going to cancel my fucking subscription. It also ended with a cliffhanger. Yeah. Which was, and I was like, oh, I can't wait for the next season. And nope. Never gonna know now. Finished in February, by April they cancelled it. And do you know why they cancelled it? Was because there wasn't enough viewing statistics that indicated it was positive within the first six weeks of watching because they have created like a calculation system to determine, depending on viewership, whether or not the show would be popular and they weren't willing to invest the money into the production budget. But how many shows have had a bad first season, a sleeper show, but they've well, continued. in the first six weeks, like, like it, it takes a, it takes longer for, especially, like, there wasn't, I didn't see a lot of PR about that show. No. So if you're not promoting it, then how the hell else are people going to find out about it? It's through word of mouth, and that takes a while. It takes more than six weeks. It takes a few months, maybe even a year. Yeah. They want everything to be like fucking Wednesday. Like a show that just comes out for some inexplicable reason is just a huge hit and everyone's talking about it. Yeah. Or like Stranger Things, and then they just don't allow anything else to build, which is weird because it's like, if it's your company, like you are net Netflix. So if I invested money into a show, I would be advertising it all the time. Remember when like Netflix first came out and there was like nothing on it and there was that fucking show with the guy from Sopranos? <laughs> what the fuck was it called? I was never interested in that show, but like they fucking promoted the hell out of that show. Every time I turn on Netflix, you got to watch Lilyhammer? Is that what it was called? It was like Lilyhammer. <laughs> that picture of that guy. Every time you'd sign in, it was a big you fucking... You motherfucker, you. Yeah, Lilyhammer. And I'm like, why the... F- what is this stupid fucking show? But to their credit, every time I turned on Netflix, it was like, they really want me to watch Lilyhammer. Is that like the only fucking thing they have here? Didn't they do that with Bird Box? They like promoted the shit out of that. Mm-hmm. And that was huge. Like that was like a... F- I've never even watched yeah. it, but I know that it was part... Me neither. <laughs> it was part of the cultural conversation. Fucking Bird Box. <laughs> Such a stupid title. 
there's a lot of show, a lot of good shows got cancelled. Like, what about? Do you ever see The Nick with Clive Owen? No, I did not. Yeah, that was really good. Like, really good acting, really good set pieces. The music was great, and then they just cancelled it after two seasons. It was like <sighs> fucking hell, man. It should be illegal to have cliffhanger endings if you're not renewed. Yeah. Yeah, they should have a duty of care to, like, conclude a show. <laughs> because if you're being real, we pay a subscription, right? So we pay money to watch what they provide. Now, if we invest in a show, say they release the episodes weekly, which is even worse, rather than giving us all the episodes to binge. If we've invested 12 hours of our life watching that show and then they decide to cancel it, they should at least conclude the show. They shouldn't just leave it like that. It's not right. It's fucking annoying. I'm still annoyed about Archive 81. Haven't forgiven Netflix for that. Yeah, but isn't there some fucking online comic or something that wraps up the storyline? I don't know. It should be part of a show's budget, like an insurance plan. Yeah. Or like whenever you get a budget, there's an additional like five million that's just like, all right, if the show gets canceled, you have enough money to shoot. A television movie. Mm. Yeah, like something to wrap it up. Or even sometimes shows will do this thing where like the story does wrap up, but then they just tag a thing at the end that makes it a to be. <laughs> continued for the next season if you get cancelled like just like alright edit that out like okay this whole thing wrapped up you don't have to do the reveal at the end well, actually the killer is fucking still alive it's like nope the show got cancelled that scene gets deleted and that should be the rule it should be a crime that's what I think yes I agree I agree because if, <laughs> even if they had least given a movie length thing to conclude that story I would have I would have felt satisfied I would have felt like okay well fair enough because even if you don't like the ending it's still a resolution at least it's a resolution to the story that you've invested in I know we're trying to wrap this up but did it, you guys seen that movie the summer of 84 right that, that was I really liked that movie yeah but then the ending was like they're gonna set up for another one or something and then it never happened which was weird to me like I don't know what the deal with that was were they supposed to make a sequel or fuck we'll be seeing that by the summer of fucking 2084 that's right <laughs> fucking hell I know that's, that was a really good movie I don't want to spoil the ending but there's no resolution at the end really so it's like I hear a cattle yes Who's meowing? What? Who's meowing? Who's meowing? Is that Marco or Michael's cat? Sorry, that's my cat. Sorry. Calm down, mate. You're not a fucking monkey. <laughs> Is it fair to call Summer of 84 a Stranger Things knockoff? A little, maybe. Would that be right? A little, but there's no supernatural shit in it, though. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it's got the dark themes, though. Like but, I mean, it is the same team as Turbo Kit. Again, another movie that we're waiting for a sequel. Yeah. So, I wonder yeah. then, do they count because they were always doing the retro thing, and, like, JP from Lamatos is, like, the cinematographer on those films. Hmm. And I wonder if they... I don't think they count because I feel like they were already riding that wave of the retro 80s shit before. Yeah, but it's. I think what Michael's saying is because it has got like a horror dark theme, and it's like what four kids. It is kind of similar in that regard. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. though it is different, but it may be a little, maybe a little. They're writing off it. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, here's one. When the hell does Kung Fury Two come out? Oh, I feel like there was a lot of yeah. talk about Two right after the success of the first one, and then I haven't heard shit for years. No, no. It's it's getting released on November seventeenth. Is it? What? Yeah. Uh huh. Michael Fassbender. Did they just make it themselves like they did the first one? Is that why it's just taken like eight years? Because it's the same team of like four people like doing all the effects? Well, I think once they got Arnold Schwarzenegger involved, I think they were absolutely willing to move heaven and earth to make sure that he stayed interested in the project. 
you know, probably w- worked around him. How did you even know that date, Michael? Because I'm literally looking at David Sandberg's Instagram right now. I just made it up. <laughs> if I say that's when it is, that must be true. Because that's what I feel. No, no, look on Wikipedia. On Wikipedia, that's, that is where I got the date. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't really just make that up. I know, because I was just looking at David Sandberg's Instagram, and he literally hasn't posted since October 2021. I wonder if, like, imagine if, you know, how he's been hyping up Arnold Schwarzenegger. I wonder if, like, Arnold's involvement is like, remember Bruce Willis was doing a series of movies 10 years ago where he was billed as the guy starring in the movie and he was like, yeah, yeah. he was at the beginning for two minutes. Oh, no doubt, like, Arnold's in this movie for two seconds, like... Yes, you have my permission to proceed, and then hangs up the phone, and that's his involvement. It'll be the same as that fucking FUBAR show, where he's just there for the close-ups, and every time it's far away, it's a body double that just looks nothing like Arnold. (laughs) That's a terrible show, by the way. I couldn't even get through the first one. There's, like, some fight scenes, and he's so slow and old. (laughs) It's terrible. So shit. Well, listen, <laughs> we got to wrap up, man. We've been talking for a while. Let's wind down, Andy. We better wind down. We'll do another one for Christmas. <laughs> Michael, what's coming up? Say goodbye and tell me something that's coming up. I don't know. Just something, I guess. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> November 17th, 2023. <laughs> maybe, maybe I made that date up. Maybe I didn't. You'll never know. Oh, is there a single coming out? Is there going to be a, the Kung Fury song by Michael Oakley? No, I'm still working on new music. It's still pending. So I'm taking my time over this one. Yeah. I'm taking my time. But it's going to be worth it, I promise. It's going to be worth hey, it. Hey, man, you're a talented guy. So I know when it comes out, it's going to be a good time. Indeed. Florence. Bye. No, actually, now, okay, now that I moved into my new place, I finally set up my, like, music area. Maybe I'll write some more stuff. In the meantime, though, just to hold you guys over, I might be cooking up something with Betamax Ooh, pretty soon. Nice. Keep an eye out for that. We've had the song in the works for like four years. <laughs> it was something that he sent me back in 2019. I was like, oh, here's some vocals. And then we just didn't do anything with it. And then a year ago, we're like, hey, we should do something with it. So that might actually be happening fairly soon. Do you have like a singing space set up in your new place or are you still working on that? Still working on that. I got to figure out the most optimal way to record vocals because my new space is a very large open kind of studio space mm-hmm. with like concrete everywhere and that's not great for singing. No, that might be good. That gives you free reverb. <laughs> don't need any of those expensive uh, universal audio plugins anymore. No. Your room's a plugin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'll figure it out. I got one of those things you put on a keyboard stand, like a little shield. See how that sounds. Or I can just go somewhere else to record vocals. I know some people with spaces where I could do it. It'll be fine. I'll figure it out when the time comes. But not all of them are going to have the sound of a guy shitting in the background. <laughs> all right? Well, that's, was no- <laughs> that's sound design you can't buy. It has to be... <laughs> certainly can't. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Jesus Christ. You're regretting even bringing it up now, aren't you, Florence? Jesus Christ, you guys. I did not expect to talk about that. I brought that up before <laughs> we started talking, and then Andy's I know. like, hey, you, you want to talk about... Like, I'm a little dogs. trickster. Anyways, okay, uh, Marco. Yeah, what? Tell me what's coming up and say Oh, goodbye. what's coming up? i got to work a lot, but I'll tell you what. We're just finishing up playing Dead Island 2, and that's been pretty good. But I'm looking forward to playing some Baldur's Gate as soon as I get a bit of time off. 
I'm going to get right into that shit. That looks awesome. And everybody reckons it's really good. You can uh, talk to animals in that game. Yeah. You get the magic power, and you can talk to cats and dogs and stuff. Mm. Yeah, you can do more than just talk to them. Uh. Yeah. You can turn uh. into a bear and fuck somebody. That's right. That's right. That's what I'm getting it for. Do you have to turn into a bear to... Uh... Well, that's just the one example. It's the only way to complete the mission. One of the druid's powers is you can morph into animals, and I guess you can have like a sex scene where you morph into a bear and yeah. then like have sex with the... Anyways. It's a fun little side quest. I, I have a, a very, very quickly before we wrap this up, I do have one video game recommendation for you that I got recently. Quake 2 yeah. Remastered. Magnifique. You'll love it <laughs> if you love the Quake games. <laughs> Cool. I didn't even know they did that. It's on Game Pass, so I can... Mm-hmm. I think I did download it, actually. I just played it for, like, two seconds. I love when you go the super shotgun and you just you shoot them and their whole body just blows up. <laughs> <laughs> and the sound effect... <laughs> it's been fun chatting with everybody and catching up, and I hope you all have a lovely uh, four months or whatever it's going to be before <laughs> we record again. Hopefully we'll do it sooner next time. But everyone have a have a lovely fall and autumn and... Uh, spooky season. Spooky season, yeah. Because we'll, we're already in September. Like, who knows? If we keep this schedule up, maybe we won't talk until after Halloween. But maybe we'll try and record one before then. Let's do it. All right. Well, Merry Christmas, Andy. <laughs> Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. I need to get Dead Island 2 now. You've put me in the mood. Does it have a satisfying, like, when you shoot them in the head with, like, a revolver, does their head blow up? (laughs) Because I love that. (laughs) Dude, yes, yes. Yes. It takes a few times to kill them, and, like, it'll literally see the stomach open up and, like, organs and shit. It's really good. The detail is amazing. Nice. (laughs) I love that stuff. I love it. All right. I like trying to say goodbye and then we're saying, (laughs) did their heads blow up? Oh, it's amazing. (laughs) Because that was the one thing I loved about Dying Light 1 was that when you had, like, the Magnum gun and you shot them in the head, it was so satisfying, the noise. Whoever came up with the sound effects and then their head just blows up and it's like, oh... That noise is amazing. That sound effect is so good. It sounds like fucking... Somebody yeah, shit. I was going to say, it sounds like Florence's window. Okay, I'm hitting stop now. So everybody, have a lovely day, and we'll talk soon. All right, Bye. see you in a bit. Bye. Beyond Synth Radio is produced by Andy Last. Check the show notes for more information on the musicians featured on the show. Consider supporting Beyond Synth at patreon.com slash beyondsynth. Thanks for listening.